Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Today we are on the cusp of a new chapter in the calendar of the church. This is the last Sunday in the Epiphany season. Next Sunday is Septuagesima, and it begins the pre-Lenten season. So there is going to be a shift in tone, in theme, in color. You're going to see a difference in the way we worship and the, the themes that we're using. And so this is a special Sunday because it's wrapping up for us this season that in a way is um, all sort of oriented to looking toward Christmas. I know the 40th day after Christmas, the Feast of the Presentation was the last official day, but really the whole Epiphany season is kind of, it follows after the Feast of Epiphany, which of course follows after Christmas, and all of this has sort of thematically been about one thing, Christ revealing himself in the world, God revealing himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And so throughout the season of Epiphany, we've seen God revealing himself in Christ through the miracles that he worked, through the uh, adoration of the Magi, that was the first obvious one. But then there was the baptism in the Jordan River. There's the turning of water into wine. There were the healings that Jesus did and accomplished. And today we have a slightly different way that God reveals himself through Christ, and that is through his teaching. We have today not a miracle, not uh, an event in the life of Christ, but rather something that Christ teaches us. And he teaches us through telling a parable. And this is something that Jesus does constantly throughout his ministry. If he has to make a point, if he wants to get something across, if he wants to make an impression on his disciples and the people listening to him, he tells a story. This is because we are created as human beings to understand stories. In fact, we are a part of a story. We're all characters. God has made us to be part of the story of creation. And now, because of the fall and Christ's redemption, also the story of salvation and reconciliation. So Jesus tells a story, knowing that it resonates in our hearts more easily, and that we can understand the lesson that he's teaching us. And the story that he tells us is a story of a farmer who sows a seed full of good wheat, and as the wheat starts coming up, his workers notice there's more than just wheat in this field. There are tares, cockles, as the uh, King James Version calls it. Apparently, that's a special type of weed, a very uh, unique weed. And it wraps around the wheat, and its roots get intertwined with the roots of the wheat. And as they grow up together, they're just they're stuck together. There's no way to separate them, which is why when the, the servants of the, the master say, do you want us to go and try to pull all this up. He says, no, because if you do, there's a chance that you'll be pulling up the good wheat as well. What we're going to do is just let the wheat and the weeds grow up together so that the wheat has a chance to grow. We don't want to cut its life short by trying to root out the cockles. 
And so as, as the weeds and the wheat grow up, he says, when it comes time for the harvest, then we'll just cut it all at the same time, and then we'll separate the weeds from the wheat. The weed gets put into bundles, and uh, it, it goes into the barn, but the, the weeds, the cockles, they get put into bundles and thrown on a fire to be burned up. Now, there's no point in me trying to expound on this um, on this parable unless we also listen to what Jesus himself says about this parable. Because a few verses later, his disciples say, uh, can you please explain this to us? And so he does. Jesus, to his disciples, says, this is what this parable means. This is how to interpret it. He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed means the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and throw them into the furnace of fire. There men will weep and gnash their teeth, when the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, if that summation of this parable makes you uncomfortable, it's supposed to. I'm not going to say anything to lessen or soften the terrifying language of being thrown into the furnace of fire or weeping and teeth gnashing. These are realities that Jesus Christ himself is telling us about. These are his words. And though he's using imagery of things that we can picture in our minds to describe something that we can't picture, you can be assured that whatever the actual reality is, it's no less horrific than the imagery that he uses. The imagery isn't more crazy than the reality. The imagery is weaker language than whatever the reality is going to be. So it's terrifying. The thought of what he's saying is horrifying. Like I said, I'm not going to try to soften the point of this parable, which is to shock us into being awake, to awaken a healthy fear inside us. And I believe to make us ask the simple question, am I wheat or am I weed? And then the next question, of course, is how can I know? To find the answer to this question, we have to pay very close attention to not just this parable, but to everything that Jesus teaches us throughout his ministry, throughout the Gospels, and then as expounded in the letters of St. Paul and Peter and John. In other words, we have to read our Bibles to find the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So, in paying attention to Jesus, we find some other parables related to this one. We come across other parables that describe what I call the uncomfortable binary, the very uh, unfortunate realization that Jesus has this description of two types of people. He uses it a lot. Sheep and goats, good trees, bad trees, wheat and weeds, etc., etc. Now, in Matthew 17, which is just a couple chapters beyond this, we find another good tree, bad tree binary. Jesus says, so every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There's that language of fire again with the bad, the bad thing. Sounds very similar to the wheat and the weeds that we're hearing about today. But in the Gospel of Luke, get this, there's another parable that Jesus describes of a, a, a bad tree, a tree that isn't producing good fruit. But listen to what he says about this tree. He said to the vine keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even take up the ground? And he said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year also, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. So what happens in this parable that makes it a little different? Something extremely important and something that we need to remember when we read other parables like today's of good weed, good wheat and bad weeds. The bad tree in this parable from Luke clearly is on one side of the binary. It's a bad tree. It's not producing fruit. But it's given a chance to change. It may yet become a good tree. So what does that mean? to be a good tree or a bad tree? What is the tree during that last year when it gets to absorb some nutrients, to be rejuvenated, to become productive? Is it a good tree or a bad tree during that time? Well, it turns out it's complicated, just like life. Because Jesus doesn't contradict himself, we can apply that same lesson to the parable that we have today about the wheat and the weeds. The seemingly simple binary is actually more complicated than it first appears in the story. There's room to change here, too. Listen to what St. Augustine says about this parable. Let the good be patient with the wicked. Let those who do evil change their ways and become as the good. He says, correct your ways before the time of harvest. This I say to the wicked, who are likewise Christians. This I say to the tares, to the weeds. For they are yet standing in the field, and it may be, that they who today are tares may tomorrow become good wheat. St. John Chrysostom says something similar. Of the very tares, it is likely that many may change and become wheat. If therefore you root them up beforehand, you injure that which is to become wheat, slaying some in whom there is yet room for change and improvement. And he says, what then if the tares should remain until the end? Then I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn. He again reminds them of St. John's words, including introducing him as the judge. He says, so long as they stand by the wheat, we must spare them for it is possible for them even to become wheat. But when they have departed, having profited nothing, then of necessity, the inexorable punishment will overtake them. Punishment, he says, will surely overtake them if incurably diseased. In both St. Augustine and St. John Chrysostom, we hear of hope for the weeds to become wheat, but we also hear of the final finish line, that once crossed, they will be revealed to be one of the two, and they will each go off to different fates. We have this as a promise from our Lord. The binary only seems to be final, though, at the end of things, what he calls in this parable the harvest time, whenever that is. And we don't know when that is, and there's no use in speculating. 
don't ever pay any attention to anyone who says it's going to be within the next year or the next 10 years or, you know, on March 28th, uh, 2028. Um, people have done that throughout. Yes, that date. Write that in your journals. No. Um, pe people have, have uh, done that a lot, and they've always been wrong. No one knows. Even the, the scriptures itself tell us there's no way we can know. It's not our job to know. It's God's call to say it's now time to harvest. We don't do that in the Orthodox Church. We don't, we don't make guesses. The only safe thing to say is that it might be next moment. So how, then, do the tares become wheat? How do we know if we're heading wheatward or weedward? I'm afraid, once again, we simply have to pay close attention to everything that Jesus tells us in the Gospels and everything the apostles tell us in the rest of the New Testament and everything the church tells us regarding how to live. In a word, how do we become wheat instead of tares? We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, we love our neighbors as ourselves. We try to love our neighbors as God loves our neighbors. And if we're not doing these things, then we're not being wheat. We're not good trees because we're not producing fruit. The way we make sure that we're doing these things, as I said, can be found throughout the teaching and in the scriptures and the church of services. We have to make an effort. But before moving on to all those, the ways that we try to live rightly, Let's not leave today's parable just yet, because there's a brief mention in Jesus' explanation of the parable, um, a few verses after he tells it to his disciples. He's describing what's going on, and he says something about this. He says that not only will the evildoers be gathered up and thrown into the furnace of fire, but so too will all causes of evil. It's not just people, but sin itself, lies, disease, sickness, injustice, darkness, Anything that causes evil, anything that pushes someone in the direction of weeds, anything that entices someone to become a bad tree. And there's a lot out there in this world. There are evil spirits. There are mental illnesses. There are physical ailments. There's uh, social and economic injustice. There are tragedies just of nature tornadoes and volcanoes and all the rest of it. There are all kinds of things in this world that cause pain instead of peace. And all of those things get bundled up and burned off. They are all destroyed. But what is burning them? What's destroying them? What's consuming them? Well, we hear uh, this fire from the letter of the Hebrews is actually God himself. God himself will shake the earth and the heavens for, as the author of Hebrews says, the removal of all things that are shaken in order that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that cannot be burned up. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. St. Peter says also, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar 
and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And since all these things are going to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. St. Peter was metal. He was rock and roll. The heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. St. Peter is essentially wrapping up for us what this parable is all about. God waits patiently for us to become wheat. But when the end, the harvest, finally arrives, he himself, the consuming fire, will burn away everything that isn't built to last in his new heavens and new earth. And what will that consuming fire do to us? Could it be that our own hearts and lives are much like this field, the parable, filled with both weeds and wheat, good and bad? What if they're still like that at the time of harvest, when Christ returns, or when we meet our death? What happens? I'm afraid I don't know what that's going to look like exactly. We're not told. We're given imagery. We're given hints. But what I can give you is some disappointingly pragmatic advice, and that is to try to root out as many weeds from your heart as possible here and now by praying as often as you can, as purely as you can, by giving your time and your money to help other people, by repenting of your sins as regularly as you can. And that's it. That's the lesson. We'll have to wait and see about everything else. I pray that we're all prepared. But I also want to leave on a less disappointingly pragmatic word, a word of hope. And that is that we know God is love. We know that God loves us. We know that the timing that he will employ for the harvest is for our good. It's for our sake. It's through his mercy. We know that if we can be transformed from tares into wheat, it's by his grace and his help and his goodness. And we know that God doesn't just stand off at a distance and hope and wait and see what we will become. God comes to us. God leaps down from heaven, as the Advent in Christmas poetry says. He walks with us, as we've been seeing throughout uh, the Epiphany season. And as we're about to see now in this pre-Lenten and Lenten season, He takes our sufferings onto Himself, bears them into a death so that he can relate to us, defeats hell that was keeping us in bondage, and then takes our nature to the right hand of God the Father so that we are the kind of creatures who can bear that fiery presence of God. This God did for us. That's the hope we have. So whatever we are at the judgment, at the harvest, wheat or weeds, God is there walking with us, rooting for us, living inside us, and helping us to become the better. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent 
a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. 